Hey everyone, it's been a minute, but welcome back to Slice of Americana. I'm your host, Jacob Alloy. After a year of being apart and countless events canceled, we are seeing the potential light at the end of the tunnel for this pandemic. And as someone who lives in Minnesota, no event's return has been more anticipated than the state fair. According to the fair's official website, in 2019, over 2 million people attended the Great Minnesota Get-Together. With hundreds of vendors, plenty of iconic food options, and all around what seems to be a fun and festive celebration of Midwestern life, it was devastating for workers and patrons alike to have the fair canceled last year due to COVID. However, this episode won't only focus on the state fair in the time of COVID and what is being done to make it happen this year, but we'll primarily look at stories of three food vendors at this year's fair. This episode is titled Getting Back Together, the 2021 Minnesota State Fair. Now, to get a better understanding of what the State Fair is going to look like this year, I was able to sit down with the official spokesperson of the Minnesota State Fair. My name is Danielle Dullinger, and I work for the Minnesota State Fair. I am the spokesperson. I've been here for just about seven years. Throughout Danielle's tenure with the State Fair, she has seen record-breaking numbers in 2019, as well as the invention of various and more outlandish food on various types of sticks. But she's also seen the fair be canceled, one of the few times in its history, something she reflected on in our interview. I never could have imagined that I would be here for one of the six times that the fair was canceled in its history. Um, That was definitely a whirlwind and something pretty hard to take as it's something that we work for year round. And the fact that it didn't happen last year was a real punch to the gut. But we're thrilled this year that we are able to present the great Minnesota get back together. Um, uh, It's just it, it really feels like it's coming full circle. And while it is exciting for the fair to finally be back after a historic cancellation, it has also presented unique struggles, not only because of COVID protocols, but also for the time crunch. I would say there are levels of excitement for sure. Um, There are levels of anxiety because we are planning a fair in just about three months when we normally have an entire year because we just found out in June that we are able to move forward and what it might look like. Um, So there is definitely that feeling of anxiety and anticipation, but overall, I think the general sentiment is excitement uh, for being able to present what we all do and work so hard for. So things we would normally have been working on in March were, you know, just getting to in July. Uh, So booking entertainment, luckily that was all done actually for the 2020 fair. So we're able to just kind of recycle it and, and use it for 2021. But A lot of our print projects or updating our website, uh, updating our app, things like that, that normally would have been done and that people are expecting to have right now. We're still working on it a little bit. There's just a lot to pull together. And, um, you know, vendors have had issues, you know, getting product in such a short amount of time or finding staff. There's just all these things that take a while to come together. We always say that, you know, For a wedding, a lot of people, for 200 people, let's say an average wedding, it takes, you know, some people a year, two years to plan. We're planning a huge party for 2 million people. So it takes some time. But um, I think that, you know, we're excited to be able to present something. And I think that people are just going to be grateful that the gates will be open. And if you're comfortable attending this year, um, you can come. You know, uh, I was talking to a couple of vendors this week, and they, they said that, they they're ever evolving when it comes to the fair they're always having to you know keep updated and updating their booths and you know uh updating their menus and applying to get new item uh new items on their menus um is that the same on the state on this level of the state fair kind of the you know the media and the planning side of it all are you also constantly evolving your approach to the state fair we absolutely try to have that perfect mix of tradition and brand new to keep people coming back. So that is absolutely part of our thought process every year. We need to make sure that we have those classic things that people come to the fair for every year. Everyone needs their Prano Pup, their cookies, and they need to go to the barns. That's important. But we also want to make the fair different enough every year to keep people coming back, to keep people, um, you know, 
learning about the new things that are in Minnesota or learning about the new things that our state has to offer or, you know, just providing a new experience for people. So that definitely is important to us to have a mix of tradition and what's new. And one of those evolutionary things that needs special attention this year is, of course, how to keep everyone safe in what is hopefully the twilight of the COVID-19 era. With the um, ever-evolving timeline with the State Fair this year, people's worries about COVID, do you think that ultimately you've put together the safest fair that you can this year? Absolutely. And we're in constant communication with federal and state health officials, as we are every year. Um, you know, this this isn't new to be able to have these discussions with them. Obviously, we're in a very new time um, and health and safety is always our top priority. So again, we always have these discussions with them, but obviously they're a little more imperative this year. Um, but we do believe that we are doing our best to keep people safe and completely understand that people may not feel comfortable attending the fair this year. Um, and to that, we say we completely understand and we hope that we'll see you next year. Um, but we are doing our best uh, to work with the departments who, you know, their main job is keeping people safe and making sure that we are doing right by them and by our guests. Making sure that the state fair is safe this year is crucial. For many Minnesotans, the State Fair is something that is annually looked forward to and annually celebrated. Myself, an adopted Minnesotan, can indeed say that some of my favorite memories are tied directly to the State Fair. In fact, Danielle, a born and raised Minnesotan, reflected on her childhood memories at the State Fair during our interview. Are you are, are you a Minnesota native? I am a Minnesota native. I grew up in St. Cloud, Minnesota, uh, Apollo grad, and we grew up coming to the fair. Um, I went with my parents every year. We had a tradition of, you know, showing up right when the gates opened and going down the giant slide, getting a malt. So uh, the fair is definitely in my blood. Ultimately, Danielle is excited to see everybody at the state fair who is able to come and feels comfortable being present. Um, I would love to just tell people that, you know, we're, we're working really hard to be able to present something this year. And while it may look a little different, um, if you're comfortable attending, we hope that we'll see you this year. We really think that this is a showcase of what's best in Minnesota. And um, there are a lot of people who work really hard behind the scenes to present this, you know, not just State Fair staff, but the vendors and our many, many partners, the livestock exhibitors, the people who participate in competitions. There are so many facets who work really hard to present this to people each year. So um, we're just grateful if you are able to come this year um, and we're just excited to see you. According to the Minnesota State Fair, although they are not requiring proof of COVID vaccination or a negative COVID test, they are strongly encouraging people to get vaccinated and take the proper health procedures to keep everyone safe at the fair. In fact, they have stated on their website to make an informed decision about attending the event, saying, before you visit, make sure you've considered your personal health situation and how you can best keep yourself and those around you safe and healthy. With an institution as old as the Minnesota State Fair, of course there are vendors who have been there for generations, perfecting a singular item or inventing new ones every year. And we'll talk to some of those later, but I want to introduce you to a newcomer to the fair this year. His name's Frank. He owns two diners in Minneapolis, and while this is his first time serving something at the fair, he sounds like a pro. And in the face of COVID, he isn't necessarily a newcomer to hardship. So my name is Frank Chase, and I am the owner of Andy's Garage and Andy's Diner. Most people always think it's a great idea to open up a restaurant. And, uh, and so, you know, as I've been, I was kind of looking around for a place to, to open. You know, I, I first thought of, about a bar. My wife put a kibosh on that pretty quick. And, uh, and so then I looked into, like, a coffee shop. You know, this was, you know, 16, 17 years ago. And I looked into like, you know, like a coffee shop, like, a, you know, a, a Dunn Brothers or, you know, Caribou. You know, and, you know, I thought, oh, what a good place. You know, they probably want entrepreneurs, you know, franchises and stuff like that. And it's a huge expense. 
know, they want a ton of money for, you know, just to get the franchise fee. And then you have to have so much money and liquid assets. And, and of course, you know, little old me, you know, I didn't have those kind of assets. But at the time I was working for, um, for U.S. Foods as a sales rep. You know, I have a background in the food industry uh, on the manufacturing side. So working for companies like Pace Picotti Sauce and, and I was going into the Midtown Global Market. I kept on walking by a place that was closed at the time. And that place was Andy's Garage. You know, I'd walk by and I kind of look at it and say, oh, that's kind of neat. You know, I like the Midtown Global Market. It's a really cool place. And so I kept on walking by Andy's Garage and I said, well, just let me give a call, right? You know, and it was like a good, you know, year, I would say, because he closed in January of 2008. So I was, you know, walking by and I was like, kind of like, who's crazy enough to open up a, an American food restaurant in the Midtown Global Market? You know, the emphasis global, right? You know, we're looking at global foods and who wants to eat at a place like that? That's kind of, you know, kind of different. Uh, and, but, you know, uh, in, in the end, it's, you know, it's really quite smart because, you know, it, you're, you're the one of few instead of one of the many as far as the global foods. Uh, so I called them up and, you know, the, the cost of getting in was very, very low. Um, and I bought it and took over in September of 2008. Uh, you know, and here they kind of brought me to here where, um, you know, it was, um, it was a tough time, kind of like it is right now, because I opened in September 2008. And I'm not sure if you remember, in October of 2008, we had the big, uh, the start of the Great Recession. Frank tells me that the first couple of years were rough, but he was able to turn it around through a combination of government policies put in place in the midst of the Great Recession, as well as an incredible team and his business partner, Miguel. You know, fortunately, I had a really good team of people working with me. Uh, you know, especially Miguel, you know, who's been with me from the very beginning, um, brought a lot of expertise, you know, in, you know, back of the house. Right. And uh, so I got lucky, but it was tough, tough, you know, three years. And we really didn't see a big change until uh, October 2011 as uh, when finally all the things that the Obama administration had uh, put into place, you know, all those little things about social security and and employer taxes and uh people getting back to work and all those little things started you know the magic started to happen and finally in you know, october 2011 i saw you know finally some profit coming from the from the business so um that's kind of like how i got the, got here but like i said at the top of this frank isn't a stranger to adversity not only did his first restaurant open in the great recession but his second restaurant andy's diner in uptown minneapolis opened just two months shy of the pandemic so we decided to expand and uh, i was hoping to open in september 2019 but there was a lot of delays in construction and permits and you know all red tape and all kinds of fun stuff so we weren't able to open up until January of 2020. Not only did the pandemic hit his new restaurant hard, but his original restaurant, Andy's Garage, is situated in South Minneapolis. And after the murder of George Floyd, it has been a long time of healing and reconciliation in the community after such a tragic event. So when something like the State Fair came around and he had the opportunity to showcase his Mexican-American heritage and the wonderful blend of what America is, he greeted it enthusiastically you know everything i have is on the line um you know because of the global pandemic and uh you know the uh, the, the social issues that we've been having you know up and down lake street and south minneapolis and, and of course across the world right uh you know we're we're on the line and so um you know the Getting into the state fair has been a true blessing for us, and we're really, really happy about it. And, you know, welcome the opportunity to showcase uh, who we are, you know, uh, being uh, Latinx myself, a person of color, uh, you know, Mexican-American. I'm really like, you know, the, the mix of, you know, what a lot of the United States is these days. 
you know, we try really hard to, you know, show who we are, you know, that, you know, we're regular people. We work very, very, very hard and we have great food. So, you know, Andy's garage and Andy's diner has kind of evolved into your classic diner to almost to a, um, what I would say, classic diner experience in the United States and Mexico now. You know, we're, we're blending our American comfort food with blending with our Mexican comfort food. In fact, this shift away from classic American diner food to a mix of American and Mexican comfort food has led to Frank's inclusion at this year's State Fair. You see, Frank's first restaurant, Andy's Garage, exists at the Midtown Global Market. It's something unique to Minneapolis and is a sort of grand bazaar of international food, crafts, art, services, and grocery. And as Frank explained to me, the Midtown Global Market runs the International Bazaar at the Minnesota State Fair and features booths from the Midtown Global Market at the fair each year. Initially, Andy's Garage didn't really have a chance of being showcased there, since it focuses mainly on American classics. Which stands to reason, I probably wouldn't want to be eating burgers around Middle Eastern theming. But because he has been able to find that balance between Mexican and American comfort foods and design a whole menu just for the state fair, he's being featured. Um, and since we blended that, you know, then we had an opportunity to show something. But the whole time we've been trying to, like, when are we going to get in? We want to get into the, uh, uh, into the Midtown Global, into the booth at the Midtown uh, uh, Global Market they have out there in the Bazaar. Well, let's do fresh cut fries, you know, let's do hamburgers, let's do corn dogs, all those foods that we had in our repertoire were not state fairish, right? But after a lot of trial and error and a lot of help from Frank's son, Icarus, they were able to come up with a menu that perfectly blends the two cultures into one and features an item that I am very excited to try this year at the state fair, the chorizo lollipop a Mexican twist on the American corn dog, or if you're from Minnesota, the Pronto Pup. And the best thing is, it's completely vegan. Uh, so when they, uh, the Midtown Global Market says, well, Frank, you know, do you want to present some type of food to the, uh, uh, to the state fair? And I said, like, yes, we do. And uh, my son, Icarus, is working back with me again. And because uh, he's taking a break from the corporate world. Uh, and he says, well, let's, let's figure something out. Now, and you know, let's go back to I want to do a, a vegan corn dog. So, you know, I'm thinking like vegan corn dog, let me go down to the sewer co op and open up a package and put it on a stick, right? And get a vegan, uh, uh, you know, corn dog batter, right? Uh, and you know, he's thinking like, uh uh, you know, we got to do something more original than that. You know, let's try to figure out our own way to make our own, uh, you know, vegan product, right? For the to put on a stick. Says, well, let me go down to the bar's butcher because one of his friends is vegan, right? He says, let me go down there. He he says they're really good, so he bought some meatloaf of theirs. And he buys says, oh look, chorizo. You know, we are like trying to do this Mexican and American comfort food thing now. So let me get some of this chorizo. But our idea really was the the meatloaf that they have there. And uh, so he brought the meatloaf out. You know, and me being the the quality control manufacturing guy, I take one look at the meatloaf and I go like, well, that's not going to work because it's very porous. You know, it breaks up apart, just kind of like a meatloaf you would have at home. But, you know, he brought this tube of chorizo, you know, that's like, you know, about that big around, around, you know, about two inches in diameter. And I go like, oh, this is going to work. And so we slice it off. And it was like a little medallion. And we take our, our corn batter, vegan corn batter, and what makes it vegan, we don't have any dairy products in it, right? And uh, and we don't have any like honey too, which is also con considered not vegan, right? And uh, so we dip it in that and they drop it in the fryer on, on a stick, you know, psh, you know, comes up and it puffs up super nicely and it looks just absolutely gorgeous. It looks like a lollipop is what it looks like. And that's why we're calling chori pops is our, you know, our little fun thing that we're saying. We're calling chori pops because they... They're like round like that on a stick, beautiful product. And then we eat it and it's just, you know, very, very good. Other highlights on the state fair 
menu at Andy's Garage in the Grand Bazaar include a horchata milkshake and fried tamales. Ultimately, Frank's goal is to get his own permanent spot at the State Fair, and needs to have a good showing this year in order to get it. He tells me previous booths at the Grand Bazaar have gone on to open their own permanent vendor booths at the State Fair, and that's ultimately where he wants to see himself in a few years. And that is really the goal, is to be there next year, um, and be there the following year, and then get our own booth, because I think it's this is the third or the fourth year for... Um, for Hot Indian to be there, you know, without their own booth. So this will be the third, the fourth year, and they have their own booth inside the uh, uh, the food building. So, you know, that's what we want to do. With ideas like the Chori Pop and the Horchata Milkshake, I hope to see Andy's Garage become an annual fixture at the Minnesota State Fair. If you'd like to try any of the food, Andy's Garage will be at the State Fair in the Grand Bazaar for the first week of the fair. You know, we will be only there for the first six days because we are sharing a booth, sharing the booth with uh, Los Ocampo. And so we'll be there from uh, Wednesday, uh, uh, some Thursday, August 26th through uh, August 31st. So we'll be there the first six days. So if you want to see us, come the first week. Otherwise, you can find Frank and all of his wonderful food at either the Midtown Global Market in Minneapolis or at Andy's Diner in Uptown Minneapolis. Now, when I began this project, I was looking for somebody who would be new to the fair this year, as well as a staple of the fair. But along the way, I decided that I also wanted to find somebody in between. And that's where the next interviewee came in. Her name is Stina, and she is the Waffle Queen. Uh, I am Stina Ostland. I am the founder of Nordic Waffles. Well, I am originally from Norway. And I came to the U.S. six years ago. So in Norway, before I came, I had a company that was a waffle company. And I was um, uh, titled uh, the, the Waffle Queen. <laughs> so um, anyway, so then, you know, I, I had a pretty successful company over there. I sold the company because I had a dream about bringing these waffles to the U.S. So I sold my company. I didn't know where to go, what to do, how to do it, nothing. The only thing that I knew was that I was going to create a revolution of the of the waffles that we now now call the waffolution. <laughs> Uh, and uh, that's how it started. So I came in 2015 um, and in 2016, the company got launched and we, uh, we started to, um, uh, you know, build up our uh, fresh program, which is, you know, we have one division of the company is that we have um, uh, coffee shops and convenience stores and others that make freshly made waffles. So we built that up. Um, then we also started to do events. We did local events and, you know, we didn't have a food truck, but we had a pop-up tent. And even though she was succeeding with her business, there was one thing she kept hearing about since she moved to Minnesota, something of grand mythic proportion, almost like its own folklore. You know, ever since I came to Minnesota, I, I think maybe my second day being here, um, maybe it was even the first day people were telling me about the Minnesota State Fair. And, and I, didn't, I didn't understand what that was because in my country, we are, the population of Norway is 5.3 million people. Half of Norway, Norway almost go to the Minnesota State Fair. <laughs> so like, it was a, Anyways, I, I, got, I got to go there um, after a year and then I saw it. And ever since I put my feet on the ground there, it became a huge dream and goal to manage to get into the Minnesota State Fair. And Stina eventually got to the State Fair. 
And how she got there is kind of an interesting story. And it actually features another famous and mythically proportionate event in Minnesota. The 2018 Super Bowl. Uh, we kept doing the events and then we people really liked our waffles and and we um, got into larger and larger events and then finally we were very fortunate to be contacted by the Super Bowl committee to have uh, to be one of the uh, four one of the four main vendors at the Nicolette Mall. And so, after showcasing they could take large volumes of people at a time, and also having stellar and delicious waffles, they got their spot at the state fair. You know, we had been in, in contact with the fair, and um, as you know, if you're going to be a vendor at the fair, you have to be able to handle volume um, in a large scale, so then they they came down to to the Super Bowl event and they saw our operation and they saw that we could we could handle volumes. And then fast forward in 2018 in, in May, we were in an Uber in Chicago and we got a phone call. I got a phone call from the Minnesota State Fair and it was Dennis and he told me that we were accepted into the fair. However, there was a catch. And that we um, were going to, we had three, 90 days to build everything, <laughs> which, was, uh, which was madness. But, you know, we, we, uh, we, we went to work and we made it happen. And, and um, in August of uh, 2018, we had our Norwegian style cabin built. Um, with the, I don't know if you saw it, but it, it has a grass on the roof and um, um, and it was um, it was a bit pretty pretty different from the other structures that are <laughs> at the fair. And we opened the door, we opened the windows to to start the sale the first day, and I didn't know what to expect, but I was completely blown away because our line was wrapped around our cabin and continued down the street. And <clears throat> that's how it was for those 12 days. And it was, it was, it was so much fun, but it was, <laughs> yeah, it was a a lot of hard work. Nordic Waffles came back the very next year to the state fair, and although they thought that their numbers would go down, they actually exceeded expectations. Then we had our second year at the fair, and we were told that we should expect our sales to, to drop because, you know, we were not the new kid on the block anymore, and, you know, the, but it, it didn't drop. It was continued to be this crazy long lines, and and just you know, we 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 were at we were at a point where we could not produce more. We were at max capacity of what we could possibly push out from that that little cabin. So then, <laughs> so this year in 2021, they have a brand new stand. It has completely been redesigned and pays homage to their original booth. It's much bigger and now features windows so that passersby can witness how the Nordic waffles are made. I think the fair saw the, that we couldn't produce more. So uh, this year we have, a twice as to the, we have a twice the size of footprints. So we, uh, we have a much larger space and we are gonna be able to serve people faster and uh, maybe even more people. So we're, we're very excited. <laughs> and then... It sounds like Nordic Waffles is going to have a fantastic year at the fair, especially after sort of a weird one for them with the pandemic. While they weren't hit at hard times as much as some of the other restaurateurs that I have talked to, they had to shift their entire plan on how to make money and be profitable in the time of COVID. I also wanted to say that Nordic Waffles also during COVID, you know, we, 
we have a retail location at the Rosedale Mall. Um, and when COVID hits, 80% um, of our revenue just dropped and the fair was not happening. And, you know, we, we really had to reimagine um, our business and who, who we were. And so we, we took our best-selling waffle at the at the fair and at our retail location and in, in all the coffee shops and and that's the all-day breakfast with the egg bacon and cheddar and we froze it and we put, put it in a package and we sold it into grocery stores so we in the in the year from 2020 till now we are in almost uh, 500 grocery stores also so that's a new division of nordic waffles while Stina's entrepreneurship is indeed commendable, what I think we're all excited to see is what she has concocted for this year's State Fair. This year, we have two new foods. It's the chicken macaroni waffle, our inspiration. Do you know the, the TikTok uh, chicken, macaron, the, uh, chicken macaroni song? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. That's, <laughs> that's, our, that's our theme. It's a chicken drummy that are deep fried and it's cheesy mac and cheese and a drizzle of bear honey on the honey. Oh no, I'm sorry, on the chicken in wrapped around our freshly made delicious waffle. So that's our savory one. And I have to tell you that I learned very quickly when I came to the US about the chicken and waffle tradition. Um, I had never heard about it before I came here and we have waited to create it because we knew that when we were going to do it, it had to be paying respect to the tradition and the history of it while it still needed to be innovative and and state fair crazy. (laughs) So our chef, Luis Cario, he um, he spent a lot of time testing and and coming up with this um, with this chicken chicken and uh, mac waffle. So so that's <clears throat> that's that one. And then we also have our sweet one, which is a, it's called an ice cream waffle, like ice cream. Uh, it's an ice cream bar inside the waffle with kettle corn and chocolate drizzle and some sprinkles. It's just it, when when you bite into it and all those flavors just and the texture of of it come together, it's it's fantastic. It's so good. <laughs> In addition to the new waffles being served this year at the State Fair, Stina is creating a competition for children called the Make Your Own Dream Waffle Competition. During the State Fair, kids can come to the Nordic Waffles stand and submit their ideas for the most outlandish and crazy waffles, the winner of which will win an assortment of prizes and also have their dream waffle featured at Nordic Waffles retail location at Rosedale Center Mall. This year we have a small little kid cabin. We have built a a mini version of our original cabin um, that is for children to uh, submit their dream waffle. So um, they they can tell us whatever they would love to have on their waffle and and put it in in a mailbox. Uh, and then we will, at the end of the fair, the last day of the fair, we will announce a winner. And the winner is going to win one case of each of the frozen uh, all-day breakfast waffles, because now we have, we have two different ones. There is one with bacon and one with sausage. And then we're also going to feature that waffle in our retail location at Potluck. So that's pretty cool. (laughs) 
As this part of the episode comes to a close, I want to leave you with one last thing that came through in my interview with Stina, her love for kids and her love for the state fair. It's fun to teach the kids also, you know, how is Nordic waffles made? You know, what's, why, why are they so good? What's in this batter? So we, we also educate them on, on what goes into our, our batter. So, yeah. It sounds like, you know, the investment in creating that, creating this competition, which, um, you know, hopefully will become an annual thing for you. It sounds like you're really cementing yourself as, you know, you may still be somewhat of a newcomer to the state fair, but it sounds like you're you're looking at the long term of we're gonna stay here and we're really gonna invest and make a year round, make a make it a yearly annual space that we can be in. Yes, we. I hope that I can be at the fair when I'm 95 years old or 195 years old. It depends where science is at and how long I can live. <laughs> but but I. When the fear gets into your blood, they just, it just, man, I was so sad last year when the fear was not happening. And I never knew how much I loved it before it wasn't there. It's just, it just becomes part of you. Uh, is there anything else you wanted to say um, about anybody who might be coming to the fair? Uh, anything that you'd like to say about the fair um, in closing? She said, um, the whole team is super excited to see everybody. You know, we are bringing back um, a lot of the team that was working in 2019 and teenagers that are 14 to people that are some of our team members that are 60 plus. They're, they're all super excited to see everybody and they're, they're excited to, um, to serve waffles again and, uh, and just get get the fair in the in the yeah get the fair going so we are we are very 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 excited and then i hope that i hope that um kids will be imagining and and dreaming of their dream waffles and and let us know what they what they want um i'm personally very excited about the kid cabin i'm a mom myself and my kids love to cook and and I have a passion for um, getting children to to experiment and play with foods. So, yeah. If you would like to try either of the new waffles that will be served at this year's Minnesota State Fair, or if you have a kid and would like them to be entered into the Dream Waffle Competition, Nordic Waffles will be at the State Fair the entire time. You can find their exact location on Nordic Waffles' official website. As I previously mentioned, I wanted a variety of food vendors to contribute to this episode. We have already heard from a newcomer in Frank and someone who has established themselves in a short time with Stina, but it would be remiss of me if I did not also interview a major staple of the State Fair, and that's where the Blue Moon Dine-In Theater comes in. Just a quick editor's note, when conducting this next interview, there were some issues with our video conference, so we held the interview over the phone. At times, the audio may not be the best quality, but it is still highly enjoyable. Okay, back to the show. Sure. Uh, Mike, come on over. I'm uh, Steph Olson, and um, I'm co-owner of the Blue Moon, and I'm kind of in charge of front of the house, customer interaction, employees, etc. And I'm Mike Olson. I am the uh, chief chef, menu creator, and um, they stick me in the back of the house. Steph and Mike have been fixtures at the State Fair for over 30 years. While they have been running the Dine-In Theater for 17 years, they previously operated a Ben & Jerry stand at the State Fair for nearly a decade and a half. So to say they know the State Fair is an understatement. This will be our 17th, 17th year with Blue Moon. Before this, we were Ben & Jerry's ice cream for, boy... 13, 14 years? Yeah, 14 years, and then the concept was around for a little bit longer than that, but um, so we, it's about our 30th year at the fair, 35th year, something like that, between the two concepts. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. 
With being around at the fair as long as Steph and Mike have been, they seem to have a really good pulse on the habits and traditions of the average fair-goer, and how that influences places like the Blue Moon Dine-In Theater. Would you say that being kind of established has has a special kind of place for a lot of people at the state fair? I'd say so. I would say so. And I think just Midwesterners in general are kind of creatures of habit. So, I mean, everybody has their patterns. They come to the fair, they get their corn dog, they go see animals, they get their fries, they go to, you know, whatever their, their you know, likes and dislikes are, um, you know, you get into their pattern and that seems to be what they do year after year. Yeah. And it takes a while to get into, you know, people that are so patterned out. I think with Ben and Jerry's after year 15, we still had people coming up to us saying, Oh, Ben and Jerry's, we didn't even know you guys were here, you know? (laughs) And and so it's funny. It's kind of tunnel vision people have in a way. Um, but it just takes a while to get into patterns. Before we go any further, perhaps I should explain what the Blue Moon Dining Theater is. You see, when Steph and Mike were thinking up ideas for a stand at the Minnesota State Fair, they couldn't get their mind off the classic image of Americana, the drive-in movie theater. Uh, what's the story behind how you came up with the, the idea of let's have a drive-in that's a diner that you can just sit and watch movies all day? It was something that we wanted to have the nostalgia of the old and bring it in to the new. And we thought that that was really important with uh, fairgoers, where they could grasp something from years ago that was really popular and really important in people's lives that's getting a little bit forgotten and bring just a little slice of it to the fair so that people could see somewhat of what it was like. And we thought that the two things would blend together really nicely. And yet, I mean, Mike also really, you know, we took something really old fashioned and I mean, the old concession stands of the drive-in theaters were very simple and candy, popcorn, hot dogs. But Mike really threw in a really good twist of, um, you know, modern foods that are a little edgy, actually. Yeah. Similar to my previous conversations with Frank and Stina talking to Mike and Steph, it seems that blending multiple ideas and having an ever-evolving menu is key to success at the fair. But it hasn't always been this way. Would you say that um, with the territory of being more established that you have to do you find that you need to keep evolving or do you feel that you found kind of a sweet spot where you can, can stick around in for a while? No, definitely keep evolving. You have to evolve. You have to evolve. And, and that's something different than when it was like years ago. Um, we got onto the new food uh, scene, um, you know, in 2010, 2011, we kind of helped create that and start that at the fair when Dennis Larson was in charge of the whole food um, scene out there. And it really evolved in that people really looked for new foods and something new. And we kind of stumbled into it. Dennis said, you know, this is your second year. Let's, why don't you come up with something new and, you know, we can help you promote it to get people to know who you are and where you are. And Mike came up with uh, sweet corn ice cream that year. And the new foods craze really wasn't a thing. They maybe had, you know, 10 to 12 new foods. It wasn't a big press deal. It wasn't part of even really marketing. It was still within the sales department. And I don't know, for whatever reason, that year we got tons of media traction um, nationally, locally, and um you know, a lot of vendors are like, hey, I, I kind of want a piece of that. So hence, everybody started saying, well, maybe I should do something new. Uh, and, it, you know, the sales department said, this this is really something. We should, you know, kind of, it's got some good traction. Let's do this. Yeah, and it coincided beautifully with the changing culture. It used to be that at the State Fair, there was a lot of dining halls, um, church yeah. dining halls, and places where people would sit down, fairgoers could sit down and have a meal and um and that evolved slowly over the years into people want to try a bunch of different new things 
and keep going on to different new things. And, and the whole, you know, sit down at a dining hall and eating, I mean, that's, that's all but just a beer. There used to be a steakhouse. I mean, you could go have like yeah. a steak dinner at, you know, and that would be your meal for the entire day. Yeah. With a place as iconic as a movie theater slash diner in the middle of the fair, you would think Mike would come up with incredibly unique and delicious foods every year. And when I asked him to give some examples, he did not disappoint. Uh, what would you say is the most edgy or the most interesting thing that you've come up with in all your years at the fair? What's your personal favorite? I, I mean, the sweet corn ice cream has to be at the top three of of my list or probably anybody's list because it's not only an ice cream product, but it's a, made out of fresh sweet corn. A real Minnesota product. A real Minnesota product. But I really like the um, Turkish pizza that we had in 2019, um, which was the last year that the fair was on, and now bringing it back this year. Um I, I really like it. It's got some really nice depth of flavors on the pizza crust, which we would fire a fresh crust. And it, it's almost like a burrito and a Turkish pizza in one. And the flavors are kind of um, Middle Eastern in nature. And a lot of really fresh vegetables on it. So it's really light. Yes, yeah, light, fresh vegetables. I really like it. It's one of my favorite things to eat. And from what we hear, uh, so do a lot of other people. In fact, this year is no different. Along with bringing back the Turkish pizza, Mike has come up with a new item as well. We apply, you have to apply for a new item, and luckily we've been um, lucky enough to be granted a new item every year. And this year, uh, Mike uh, brought back, well... It's a caramelized uh, banana pudding. Mm. So it's, it's unlike any other banana pudding you've ever had. We caramelize the bananas. We have vanilla wafers inside of it that are also caramelized and sugared up a little bit. Fresh bananas, um, some cream cheese, some whipped cream in there. It's just it's just an outstanding blend, and it's such a good dish that's kind of homey, and it fits in line with what what everybody's kind of you know eating over these past two years. Um, during the pandemic, and people have reached out for more homey foods um, than ever before, and yeah. it really fits into that bill nicely. The real blast from the past, the retro, the you know, uh, heartwarming, you know, comforting kind of food, and we serve it ice cold. I mean, it, it's almost to the point where we're putting a little freeze on it and uh, fresh whipped cream on top. It's really, really good. Oh my gosh, it's so good. With experts at my disposal, I had to ask the question that had been on my mind for weeks leading up to working on this story. Uh, what does the State Fair mean to you, and what do you think it means to a lot of Minnesotans? Really quick, before we hear the responses, Steph mentions a store named Dayton's. To my non-Minnesota listeners, Dayton's was a Minnesota department store similar to Macy's. It was actually founded by the same man who would go on to create a little-known grocery store and retail shop. Perhaps you've heard of it. It's Target. Uh, such a good question. I, I think mean, it encapsulates, I, I think it does, a summer. I mean, it's it's the last week and a half of summer before kids go back to school. Um, it's just the accumulation of, of the entire summer, and it's, you know, I, I, Minnesotans... Come together. I mean, if you look back at, at history, it used to be, I mean, there used to be a Dayton's yeah. on um, on the fairgrounds. And these farmers would come down and look at new farm equipment and the kids would go school clothes shopping on the fairgrounds. So it really, it really was real, an all, you know, service kind of fair. Yeah. So it, it's not just the food fair that it's always been like it is today. Yeah. Yeah. You used to go, farmers used to go and buy, you know, tractors and look at combines and, and all that stuff on machinery and there used to be department stores and um, all kinds of things like that and it's definitely changed but I think for us it's it's, it's really in our our blood and we, we look forward to it every year and it it kind of symbolizes like steps at the end of the summer fall is right around the corner um, and it's just that time of year that is just really special. 
and the sea Minnesotans come together and enjoy it all together. It, it's fun and it gets in your system and it gets in your blood and it's, it's fun to do for us. We wouldn't have done it for so many years if it wasn't fun. Um, we, we raised five kids and we, um, showed them what it's like to work in, in such a setting so much so that, you know, they don't want to work in restaurants <laughs> now. <laughs> like Mike and Steph, the state fair holds a special place in the hearts of many Minnesotans. I think everybody who comes out is going to have a great time. And, um, and we look forward to, to helping and serving everybody that, that comes out. Yeah. Yeah. We, we really like, um, our villain, we get such great compliments on the blue moon and the theme and how you can sit there and watch a cheesy old drive-in movie and sit in car seats in a nice cool building because we're under trees and under a lot of shade and we have big fans inside. So it's, it's a nice experience that we provide in a great state fair. So we just can't wait for uh, two weeks to finally get here, for the starting line to finally get here. Um, we're really looking forward to it. As a State Fair staple, the Blue Moon Dine-In Theater will be open and operating all days of the Minnesota State Fair this year. Having talked to all these incredible vendors, as well as with the official media team at the State Fair, I can imagine a number of Minnesotans are excited to see the fair return. However, it would be remiss of me if I did not mention that there are a number of people who are apprehensive about attending the state fair, with COVID cases rising and also the fair's decision to not require proof of vaccination or mandating masks. Ultimately, though, the state fair will run this year with safety precautions fair officials deem necessary and appropriate, with the understanding that some folks won't feel comfortable attending. Regardless, however, of whether you will go or not, the Minnesota State Fair seems to have cemented itself as a wholly Minnesotan take on the most classic of Americana events. This episode of Slice of Americana was produced and edited by myself, Jacob Alloy. Special thanks to everyone who was interviewed for this episode. I can't thank you enough. The music you're listening to right now, as well as the music at the top of this episode, is an original composition from Audionautics.com by Jason Shaw. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe to us on whatever podcast platform you are listening on right now, and check out our Instagram. That's all I have for now, and until I see you again, happy trails.